Welcome to the Family Church Sermon Podcast. Join us each week as we look to the Bible to seek out what it means to love God passionately and love people personally. For more information about our weekly gatherings and how you can be part of our outreach, visit jointhefamily.church. All right, well, we're going to look today, like we said, at Acts chapter 16. And why don't don't we just open up in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you so much for bringing us together here today. God, we thank you that we're gathered today. Uh, Lord, we know that there's, there's a Saints game happening overseas right now, but Lord, we thank you that even more so we get to be gathered as your saints, uh, the ones who never lose a game. God, the ones uh, who are undefeated when it comes to following you. And Lord, as cheesy as that might be, God, it's the truth. It's what you've called us to. You've called us to be victorious, to live in your victory, and to lay, lay our lives down for you so that others can know about you. It's in your name that we pray. Amen. So what we looked at is is how the gospel comes. The gospel goes to the ends of the earth. And, And here we see the progression of that in the book of Acts. And we look at these family roots. And these family roots are first, we talked about, our first family root was follow. Our second family root was pursue. Last week we talked about our family root being that we share Jesus. This week, we're going to look at our fourth and our second to last family root, which is multiply, multiply for Jesus. And next week, we're going to look at what does it mean to gather for Jesus. I'm very grateful to have a good friend of mine, Pastor Larry Johnson, who will be here sharing with us next week. Many of y'all know Larry. He's going to be helping us to close out this series, looking at Acts chapter 2. Verses 42 through 47 together about what the early church did and what they dedicated themselves to together as they gathered. And so today we're going to look at what does it mean to multiply? What does it mean to multiply? And specifically, this big idea what does it mean to multiply for Jesus? What does it mean to multiply? For Jesus, because we talk about uh, the gospel of Jesus being good news. And for good news to be good, it's got to go to places that aren't that great, that are bad. Otherwise, it's just news. So for good news to be good, it's got to go to bad places. And I don't know what you've been uh, been through uh, in this last couple of weeks. I know that there's a lot of things going on in and around. We Our, our group here before we gathered here together this morning, 9 o'clock, shameless plug. If you're not in a community group, we'd love for you to be a part of one of those. Uh, but there's a group that meets here. Uh, you can call it Sunday School, whatever. We meet at 9 o'clock on Sunday mornings. We would love to have you. And we prayed, and there was a common thread in our prayer. Uh, the common thread in our prayers were that there were people that were in desperate need. Desperate need of healing, desperate need of understanding. We know many people, uh, there have been a few people we've known that, uh, not church members, but people in our communities that have passed away recently. Laura and I, we had a neighbor just yesterday that passed away. uh, We very much enjoyed uh, getting to know as we've lived next to him for uh, going on, I guess, December will be a year. And so... um, not long enough, but uh, pray for us as we have opportunities to minister to the family in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, I know that many of us, we have, we have different types of hardship and trauma. I'm reminded of Mr. Ed. Some of y'all know Ed here, and 
if you, if you didn't know, Ed's more than a guy that just talks about movies and puts a smile on our face. Uh, Ed dealt with some childhood trauma. Ed's father, if you don't remember the Howard Johnson shootings, that was actually before I was born, but uh, the Howard Johnson shootings downtown, Ed's father was assistant hotel manager who was killed in those shootings. Um, I know me, I, I grew up with some childhood trauma. I had an abusive father, praise God, God turned his life around and now he's with Jesus. But we all have baggage and trauma and different things that we bring. And the reason we can gather together with joy is because of this. Jesus has broken down the chains of, and the weight of guilt and depression and pain, and he's freed us in Jesus Christ. We've been freed by the Holy Spirit to have hope. So our hope isn't in a disaster that happened nearly 50 years ago. Our hope and our future is not rooted in a life that can come or go. Our hope is rooted in Jesus, everlasting and eternal. And the reason we multiply, the reason we tell other people about him, is so that other people can have the same type of hope that we have in Jesus. So let's read about that hope and about Paul's mission in bringing that hope to the ends of the earth. Like Jesus had commanded the, the early apostles, Acts 1.8, in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And now Paul and Silas are out on a journey. They pick up Timothy and then Luke joins the party. These four men and probably maybe even more are on this mission to bring Jesus to the ends of the earth. Let's read Acts chapter 16, beginning in verse 5. It says, and so just to let you know what's happening at this point, this is Paul's second missionary journey. And at this point, uh, Timothy joins uh, Paul and Silas on the mission. It says in verse 5, So the churches were strengthened in faith, and they increased in numbers daily. And when they went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia, and when they had come up to Mysia, they attempted to go into Bithia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. So passing by Mysia, they went to Troas, in verse 9, and a vision appeared to Paul in the night. A man from Macedonia was standing there urging him, saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. That's what the gospel, that's what good news does. It helps people. Verse 10, And when Paul had seen the vision, immediately he sought to go into Macedonia, concluding that God had called us, and you see us there, Luke is writing the book of Acts, so it means now Luke's joined the party. He had called us to preach the gospel to them. So setting sail from Troas, we made a direct voyage to Samatres, and the following day to Neapolis, and from there to Philippi, which is the leading city in the in district of Macedonia and a Roman colony, and we remained in the city for some days. And on the Sabbath day, we went outside the gate to the riverside, where we were supposed, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke to the women who had come together. One who heard us was a woman named Lydia from the city of Thyatira, a seller of purple, of purple goods, who was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to pay attention to what was being said by Paul. 
verse 15. It says, And after she was baptized, and her household as well, she urged to us, saying, If you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come to my house and stay. And she prevailed upon us. Our big idea is this. We multiply for Jesus. We multiply for Jesus. And, and there's different ways that God aids us in our multiplication. If you read these verses, you'll see God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit all, and we know the Trinity is God in three persons, not three separate gods, not God showing him way himself in three separate ways, but three persons, one God. And so we see here that God in his full deity is aiding and guiding this party to bring the gospel to the other most parts of the earth. And if you didn't know, Macedonia is, there's, there's a modern day country referred to as Macedonia, but Macedonia was just north of Greece. Macedonia had a famous uh, inhabitant back uh, before this time, a guy named Alexander the Great who had conquered most of the known world. Macedonia was a very important region when it came to the country of Europe. And if you are sitting here today and you're of European descent, more, uh, not more than likely you are here today because of Paul and his team's faithfulness to hear from the Lord and bring the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth. The gospel spreads even when barriers are put in its way. Think about uh, uh, earlier in the book of Acts and Philip with the Ethiopian eunuch. The gospel spreads to Africa through the most unlikely of sources. The gospel goes to the ends of the earth. I'm reminded of William Carey, a missionary to India. And William Carey labored for years and years and years. And it was almost nearly a decade. It, it, was, uh, it was a long time before William Carey ever saw one person come to Christ. But William Carey's legacy still lives to this day. And there are churches that are growing and thriving, even through persecution in a nation like India, one of the most populous on planet Earth, because someone was willing to hear from the voice of the Lord and be guided by his spirit. So what does it mean to multiply for Jesus? First, we see this. The Holy Spirit guides our multiplication. The Holy Spirit guides our multiplication. We have to be open to whatever God tells us to do. Sometimes our plans don't happen the way we intend them to. It doesn't bear repeating, but I'm going to repeat it again. For those of y'all that have been with us since Crossroads and Restoration Church merged to become Family Church in March 2020, that was a terrible month to get started, right? You know, the pandemic broke out. We weren't able to gather. We met on Zoom. It was hard to get to know each other on Zoom. Then we get back together and the pandemic just continues to spread. And then we have a, a, a grand opening planned uh, last, last Labor Day, the weekend after Labor Day. Hurricane Ida changed our plans. Like there, there, are, there are just things that we plan and God has different plans. But what we have to know is that even when our plans change, the Holy Spirit, if we are hearing him, we are guided to do his work where he places us. And so what you see here in these first few verses is that verse 5, it starts and it says that Paul and them, as they were going, these churches, they were strengthened and they increased in numbers daily. 
You see, part of Paul and Barnabas' disagreement, other than John Mark, when they split up after the first missionary journey, was part of, uh, part of Paul wanted to go back and strengthen the churches that they had just started. And what, what Barnabas wanted to do is he wanted to go back to other places. And so we see that they also split because Barnabas wanted to bring John Mark along, and John Mark had left the party, and Paul wasn't happy with that. And so, but here's the thing, God works even despite us. Because Paul and Barnabas go in their separate ways, even if it's not a model that we should follow. It's not like Elijah and I should get ticked off at each other and start splitting churches left and right, you know? But God works even in our, for lack of a better word, stupidity. Whenever we do things wrong, God is still at work. And so what we see is that the gospel continues to go, and Paul brings it back to these churches that he had established, and they, they're strengthened, and they grow. Now Paul's looking to, get, to go farther, to do other things, and so he finds himself, and you see the Bible calls it Asia, and what was referred to Asia back then was now what we call Asia Minor today, which is what country? Turkey. And this is the westernmost region of Turkey, was actually even more so referred to as Asia. It's where we find Ephesus and Philadelphia and some, actually the churches that are John writes to in the book of Revelation are in the westernmost part of Turkey. And so what, what you find is Paul and all these, all these names that you can't pronounce that you're like, wow, did he say that right? You know, here's the thing. When you get to hard names in the Bible, you just say it with confidence because none of us know how to pronounce them. And so as we're pronouncing these names, these are cities, and Paul is traveling, he's going, and he doesn't understand why the doors keep getting shut, doors keep getting shut, he goes to the next one, the doors keep getting shut. You would think that, that the Holy Spirit shutting these doors, you would think if you were in Paul's shoes, that God wouldn't be stingy about where the gospel would go, right? You're thinking all these people need to hear the good news of Jesus. So why are these doors shutting? It didn't mean that the gospel didn't need to go there because one of those cities was Thyatira. One of those cities was Thyatira. But what do we see? If you read the rest of the Bible, not only was Lydia from Thyatira, but there's a church in the book of Revelation that's actually not a, not a nice you know, commendation, but uh, is rebuked by the angel, uh, by, by Jesus, to the church is this letter that John portrayed. And we see that there's a church in Thyatira. It means that the church was established there even when Paul and Silas were told not to go there. What it means is that God is at work. It means that when we move back to, to Kenner, it doesn't mean that the work of God is not going to continue to take place here in Metairie. We never know what God is going to do. It doesn't mean that God is not at work because he closes the door and moves you to somewhere else. It means possibly that the Holy Spirit is not so much concerned about a place as he is with people. People who need to hear the good news. And so we see that this journey takes Paul to this port city called Troas. Troas was located in what archaeological ruins have found within a 30-mile radius of a, a famous city with the Iliad. Y'all remember the book, the, the Iliad, the story of Troy? Have y'all heard of Troy before? 
uh, the Battle of Troy. So this is an important region on the global stage. And you would think they land in Troas, an important region that was everyone wanted to conquer and everyone wanted to own. Is this not a, what better place could they have landed to start churches and to send people out on mission? But God still had a better plan. So Paul, seeing all this resistance, he, he, they go to sleep. Sometimes it's not a bad thing. Don't let the sun set on an argument. But sometimes it's not a bad thing. When things are just rough, take a nap. Take a nap. God always makes it better. And so what we see in this nap is that this Macedonian appears to Paul. And he says, come and preach the gospel to me. Now, there have been speculations about who that Macedonian was. It doesn't matter. All all that matters is that it represents a person and a people group in need. And Paul sets out and goes on his journey from there. It says that then they hop, and they hop these islands, and they, they make it to Sumatras in one day which is extremely fast. It typically would have taken two to four days. So God is even aiding their journey naturally to push them closer to where they need to be. And then they land in Neapolis. And Neapolis is a modern-day city to this day. And and it, it is a thriving port city with tourist beaches called Kavala in modern day Greece and this city is just a port city serving an even larger city named Philippi. If you've read your Bible long enough, if you've been in church long enough, you've heard of Philippi. Paul writes a whole letter to the church at Philippi called Philippians. Yeah, there you go. You made an A today. And so Paul writes a a whole letter to the church. And this church that gets established here, I mean, by circumstances of doors closing and the Holy Spirit's leading, this church ends up being one of the most generous churches that supports Paul's ongoing missionary efforts. If you haven't ever read the book of Philippians, I encourage you to read it. I was reading it this last week. Highly, highly, highly encouraged, not just to Paul and his writings to that church, but highly encouraging to us. And so they landed Philippi. Philippi is, is, is of great importance to, to, to modern Europe. Uh, it, Philippi is where the mo- a good amount of the copper and gold in that region were founded. Constantine actually even thought about, uh, well, no, that was Troas. Uh, we know that Philippi was conquered and got its name from Philip of Macedon. And Philip of Macedon, his son was Alexander the Great. And so Philip of Macedon establishes this town, and this town is established with a lot of control and a lot of wealth and a lot of natural resource. You see, sometimes we think the gospel needs to go to Troas, but God opens the door for it to go to Philippi and to go even farther. And so what we see here is that in Philippi, not only were were Europeans hearing about Jesus, but those who were wealthy and empowered we're hearing about Christ as well. Part of Philippi's story is that after the death of Julius Caesar, four of his leading generals, and you've heard these names, Cassius, Brutus, Antony, Octavian, they all went to war with one another. Actually, Cassius and Brutus linked up and they fought Antony and Octavian. Octavian eventually won, won and 
part of the spoils to his military generals and the people who fought with him. He settled them in Philippi. So Philippi was a region that had a lot of military wealth and influence. And Paul, Paul and, and Silas and Timothy and Luke find themselves in a place of great influence by doors being closed and the Holy Spirit leading them there. Second is this. So the Holy Spirit guides our multiplication, but secondly, Jesus is the reason for our multiplication. We don't multiply the gospel to build our kingdom. We multiply the gospel to build his kingdom. Even more, we don't multiply the gospel so that family church will get bigger. We multiply the gospel so that God's kingdom will get bigger. That's why we're generous with our time and our talent and our treasure. I showed to our community group that meets in our house on Wednesday nights, we showed them a video of Grace Point Church out in Destrehan who now has a building to meet in. And part of the reason they're able to meet in a building is because of our generosity. Now, we didn't pay for all of that, but we paid for a portion of it. Our generosity overflowed into supporting and helping another church in our city in need and we will continue to do that until there's no part of new orleans or the nations that don't know about jesus so let's read verse 13 again it says that they made it to philippi and then paul and timothy and silas and luke it says that they waited until the next sabbath so they get there and this is the place that they're on mission and paul remembers the last time that that jesus spoke to me was when i rested Paul rests. He gets to the mission field and he rests. He waits for the next Sabbath. Part of this is because it followed Paul's uh, mission and his call. The theme for our youth group, shameless plug, uh, shameless plug Elijah for this fall, is unashamed. Rooted in Romans 1.16, I am unashamed of the gospel because the power of salvation to those who believe, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And that's what Paul's model, his missionary model was, was to go to the Jew first and then to the Gentile, to the Greek. And you might say, well, why? Why to the Jew first? Well, the Jews had a better understanding of, of who Yahweh was. They had a better understanding of who God's, God was. And, and God's covenant with Abram was to be fulfilled through the Jewish nation so that all of the nations of the earth will be blessed. So here's the good news. If you're not Jewish, because of God's ministry and his covenant with the Jewish people, we are here today as his body. No longer just defined by race, but defined by a holy race, the church of Jesus Christ. And so to the Jew first and to the Gentile, this is Paul's model, and he's stuck with that model. And what he did is he, he goes and he finds these women who are worshiping by a river. And let, let's read that in verse 13. It says, And on the Sabbath day he went outside the gate to the riverside, where we supposed there was a place of prayer, and we sat down and we spoke with the woman women who had come together. And we know in verse 14, one of these women was a lady named Lydia of Thyatira, and she was eventually baptized in her household as well. So on a Sabbath day, they went out for prayer. Now we know that Jewish customs at this time, if you didn't have 10 men who were devout Jews, then there was no synagogue that was built. 
So what this tells us is that there were very few faithful followers of Yahweh in the city of Philippi. There was a small group of faithful followers. Maybe Jesus is encouraging us in the city of New Orleans where it's not always popular to worship the one true God. And so these small, this remnant of faithful followers, they gathered outside the city. Now, the, now most people think outside of Philippi, the, the, the Ganges River is a mile and a half. So Paul, and, and this is likely the place they were going, so Paul and Silas and Timothy and, and, they, and, and, and Luke, they go and they go about a mile and a half outside of the city gates. And part of the reason they gathered outside the city gates is because uh, even though uh, the Romans were accepting of other religions, they were still skeptical. Because you got to understand, Greco-Roman society, they worshipped a multitude of gods. They worshipped pagan gods. They worshipped other sorts of things. Even the emperor himself was regarded as God. And so we see, since there's no synagogue there, these women, they gather by the river. And, and, church, and church history tells us that... Um, if there was no synagogue, if there weren't ten men, usually the God-fearers among the crowd would gather by a river, in the nearest river, in the open air, so that whoever else was a God-fearer there would come and find them. So here's, here's why Jesus is the reason for our multiplication. These women needed to hear about Jesus. Yes, they were God-fearers, but they hadn't yet accepted Jesus as the Messiah. And so what we see here is that Paul and his party brings this good news to them. We multiply to reach the unreached. There are many people in our city who don't know about Jesus. We multiply and we bring the gospel to every place that we can to reach the unreached. And we take a posture to meet them where they are. Paul, it says he sat down. And spoke to them. Now, this is a usual posture. I know right now I'm standing at a pulpit, but back then rabbis would sit down and teach. That's why Jesus taught his disciples a lot around a meal. We're going to observe communion at the end of our gathering today. Jesus did that reclined at a table. And so Paul takes the same posture to meet them where they are and tell them about Jesus. The Holy Spirit guides our multiplication. Jesus is the reason for our multiplication. And lastly is this. This is where we're going to land today. And I want you to be encouraged, especially if you're a member of Family Church. God provides the means for multiplication. God provides the means for multiplication. By means, I mean what the Oxford Dictionary says. Means are either an action or a system that provides a result or financial resources. God gives us everything that we need to accomplish the mission that he has called us to accomplish. And we, look, we can look in this story in that Lydia was from Thyatira, and what did she do? What was her trade? She was a seller of what? Purple goods. Well, we know purple in that time was associated with royalty. Did you know archaeologists, this is how cool, like... Like, science doesn't disprove the Bible. Science actually a lot of times proves the Bible. Archaeologists have found inscriptions in ancient Thyatira of purple trade guilds. Isn't that cool, right? Like, archaeologists have found 
the Bible is what it says it is, and Jesus has given us his word so that we can faithfully follow him. And so the, Lydia is of means, and she invites these apostles to her house, and she says if, you know, she's accepted, she's accepted Jesus as the Messiah, she's been baptized, and she tells these men, she's like, she kind of gives them a condition. She says, if you think that, I, that I've accepted Jesus, like if I've been proven to be faithful, would you come to my house and stay with me? Now, houses back then, they, they were a big enterprise. Y'all know ancient, ancient homes, they often had multiple, multiple uh, layers, <laughs> multiple floors. They had uh, different quarters. You know, you had slave quarters. You had quarters for different family members. These were a whole enterprise. And Lydia, this would have been uncommon because it, without the permission of a husband, usually you wouldn't invite any other man, especially to your house. What this has to tell us is that Lydia either was a widow or her husband approved because it wouldn't have happened back then if it, did, if it wasn't the case. Lydia, most historians think she was a widow, um, but she had significant control over her household. Think about this. To lodge at least four men, she would have had to have uh, different helpers uh, to help provide for those men to to, to, not only, uh, to not only give them a place to lodge, but to feed them. She, she, and her means, she was a seller of purple goods, which meant she had the wealth, she had the control to be able to provide for the first church to be birthed in Europe. Y'all get that? The first church that was ever birthed in the continent of Europe was in the home of possibly the home of a widowed seller of purple goods. God can use anybody. And God does use anybody. In fact, you would think, if you were writing history your own way, this is how you know the Bible is true. If you're writing history in your own way, even though women, Macedonian women in particular, had a more elevated status in the war, in the, than the rest of the world did during that time, you'd probably find the most important man and insert into your story and say that's where the house, that's where the first house church in Europe was formed. But the Bible tells us like it is. And the first church came to the home of Lydia. And we know it's in the home of Lydia because eventually, eventually the apostles are thrown into prison and they, they convert the Philippian jailer. And if you haven't read that story, read that story. And then it says in verse 40, skip down to verse 40 of chapter 16 with me. It says, so when they went out of the prison and visited Lydia, and when they had seen the brothers, they encouraged them and departed. A church was established in Lydia's home, and God provided the means for that to take place. Let us never worry about the finances. Let us never worry about the people. Let us never worry about the circumstances. Because you never know where a Lydia is that God is going to put in your path. I like to say it this way. When you're planning a church, sometimes, here's the thing. There are three M's. Three M's. Seminary students, y'all should hear this. Three M's that I think prevent people from finishing ministry well especially in a city like New Orleans. If y'all didn't know, ministry is not easy here, and people don't last. It doesn't mean that they're unholy if they move on to other parts, but people don't historically don't last. 
And I like to say it's because of three M's. Motive, money, and morals. I grew up Baptist, so it has to be three. You know, they got to alliterate and all that, right? Three M's, right? Motive, money, and morals. Motive, well, hey, I want a big church. I want people to know about me. Your motive will dictate what God does through you. He may close doors to help you and to save you. Morals, y'all know all the stories, right? Like, not only do pastors have moral failings, but they're just, we live in a hard city, a city that's very tempting, you know? We know morals and we know motive. Well, the one that a lot of people don't like to talk about is money. People run out of money. It's an expensive city to live in. Maybe you've lived here for long enough where you bought your house at a certain rate, but if you don't have 300K in your pocket, you're not going to buy a shack in Kenner Jefferson Parish. I mean, in Jefferson Parish or Orleans, it's, it's just, or even St. Charles. Like, it is what it is. We live in a pretty expensive city. But God will provide everything you need to do what he's called you to do. He always does. He always does. Trust him. Be encouraged when we read the scriptures. You never know. See, we're called to, that the harvest is plentiful and the laborers are few. Therefore, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into his harvest. And the prayer that Jesus had the 72 pray in the Gospel of Luke, they were the answer to that prayer. It wasn't that the harvest was plentiful, God send us more people. No, they were the answer to that prayer to go out into the harvest and to be the laborers. Here's the truth that we need to realize. The fruit is in the harvest. The provision is in the harvest. And God calls us to hard places because if it was easy, no one else would be doing it. Or everyone else would be doing it. Thank you. My wife gives me looks when I say wrong things. Everyone else would be doing it if it were easy. But God calls us to hard things. And family church, I want you to, I, I hope our legacy as a church is that by the time we breathe our last breath, we look back and we see, God, I couldn't even, I couldn't have even written that story. I couldn't have even fathomed what you did in our day and our time. So here's the thing. We multiply for Jesus because Jesus never intended us to keep him to ourselves. He intended us to share him with as many other people as we could so that the gospel would go to places that we could never see it going. What's God calling you to today? Maybe it's Kenner. Maybe it's Metairie. Maybe it's Maybe it's Florida. Maybe it's sub-Saharan Africa. Maybe it's Asia. Maybe it's Ukraine. Maybe it's Japan. Maybe it's the West Bank. Be faithful where you are, and God will guide you where he wants to bring you. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for gathering us here today. And Lord, we know that you've called us to multiply. And we know the reason for multiplication is that people need you. For good news to be good, it's got to go to places that are bad. 
So Lord, I pray, just as Romans 10.13 says, that everyone who calls upon your name will be saved. Lord, help us to share you to anyone and everyone who would hear about the good news that we have living in us. Lord, help them to see Jesus in us. Holy Spirit, use us with our words and with our deeds to show your love to a world in need. It's in your name that we respond. Amen.